Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. The prayer of many committed followers of Christ is simply, here I am, send me. But in our desire to be used by God, Francis Chan explains that we need to make sure we don't forget the most important things, to see him clearly, to remain humble, and to tremble at his word. We pray that today's teaching will magnify the glory of God because he is worthy. Just by a show of hands, how many of you would love it if today God spoke to you and actually gave you a specific assignment, no matter how hard it is, you just go, yes, send me. How many of you would love that? That's awesome. My message to you is not just yet, okay? And I'm saying that because this morning during worship, the Lord was reminding me of the first send gathering. And at the first send gathering, there were not this many people. It was just Isaiah, God, and a couple of high angels. Okay, that's where we get this whole theme of send me. But before Isaiah could say that, in Isaiah 6, 8, here I am, send me, God goes, not yet, not yet. First, there's Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 7, where God says, first, I need to show you who I am. And I got to get you to that Isaiah 6, 5 part first, where you say, woe is me, I am ruined and I'm an unclean man. One of the worst things we could do is send you out if you don't have a clear picture of what God is like. That will destroy everything. And so I believe that we're gonna be sent out, but not yet. First, we have to see God. First, we have to get to that point where there's humility in our lives. As I was thinking, why didn't God just send Isaiah immediately in Isaiah 6? I believe the answer is in Isaiah 66, verse 2, where God says, This is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. If you want God to notice you, okay, like there is a being in heaven right now sitting on his throne and we would all just raise our hands and go, God, could you speak to me and give me direction and send me? And what God says in Isaiah 66 is, well, here's the one I'm actually gonna look at. The one who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. That's why I had to run up during you know, communion. I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. Your word says they could die from that. I better get up there because this is the word. Let me, just, let me just say that. And that's why we come to communion trembling going, okay, I want this, I want this, but I've gotta do this right because your word says many are sick because of it and some have died. Do you tremble at the word of God? Do you tremble 
Because if you want God to choose you and see you, you need to tremble at his word. Do you tremble at James chapter four, verse six, where it says God opposes the proud? If there's ever a verse to tremble at, that might be it. God opposes, so almighty God. I try to imagine, what would it be like if almighty God who spoke the universe into existence decided to oppose me? If there's a verse to tremble at, God opposes the proud and I just, that's why I'm regularly saying, God, show me, show me. Is there any pride in my life? Am I, even right now, God, am I trying to sound good in front of people? Do I care what they think of me? Am I concerned about my reputation or anything like that? No, 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 God, I don't want any of that in my life. Why? Because if there's one thing I don't want, it's your opposition. I don't want you to be against me. I wanna say whatever you want me to say. I don't care what they think, God, I'm, I'm, I wanna be with you. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. See, anyone who is close to God, when you see it in scripture, those who were closest to God were those who were most humble. Those high angels, they were covering themselves up in Isaiah 6. You know, I was looking at some of you guys, especially over there, it's funny, that top strip where you guys are in the shade, yeah, right there, that tiny strip, why? Because you're trying to get any relief from the sun. You're just going, okay, just block me from that thing because that thing is powerful. Imagine the high angels covering themselves up with two of their wings as they're covering their face, with two they're covering their feet because they're going, we can't stand in this glory. Cover me up. Do you understand this God that we pray to? When people were close to God, they were not proud. So whenever I see pride in my life, the, the, the answer to that is not, okay, let me try to be more humble. No, let me try to get closer to God. Because when I'm in the presence of God, there's not gonna be pride there. And so if you look around and you see people that are proud, that's a, that's a sure sign that they are not close to God. Not the God of the Bible. They can sing, they can cry, they can talk about their quiet time. But if they are proud, then they're not very close to that throne. Because when we're close to that throne, we are just covering ourselves up. And like Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, 5, he gets to the point where he realizes, he goes, woe is me, I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king. He goes, I, I, I don't belong in his presence. He knows my sin. He knows the things that I've said. Who am I? I I've got to get to the end of myself. This is what happens to Moses when he comes in the presence of God. This is what happens with, with his disciple John. When, when Christ comes back in its glorified form, it says John just collapsed. John saw Jesus and he collapses. He says, I fell at his feet as though dead. Like all the life came out of me and I just dropped before him. And that's when God touches him and says, okay, it's me, don't be afraid. This is when 
God says to Isaiah, it's okay. An angel is gonna touch your lips with this coal and cleanse you. But you have to get to that point where you see God. Probably the most startling picture of this is the book of Job. Okay, I do not hear many people teach the whole story of Job anymore. Job has become in the church one of those stories where, oh, my girlfriend broke up with me, I'm just like Job. And you guys, this story, the reason why we don't teach it, two reasons I believe. One is it is weird, and two, it is offensive. But those are the very reasons why we need to know this story. You see, it's weird because in Job 1, the Bible says that Job is this righteous man. And it describes the person of Job. In fact, God, and then, so, so that's what's strange about it is in the middle of that, in Job chapter 1, you have the strangest story. Okay, this is why we don't like to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it. Because we need to teach the whole counsel of God's word. This is possibly, some say, the oldest book of the Bible. And I believe God wants the newest generation to understand it. Because it's been lost. Because we think it's weird. And I'm going, no, that's the exact reason why you need to get this. In Job chapter 1, listen to this. This is weird. Job 1 verse 6. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord, saying, from going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there's none like him on the earth? a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands. His possessions have increased in the land, but stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. That's weird, right? It's weird because we're going, wait, wait, who are the sons of God? And, and what does it mean that they present themselves to the Lord? And it's not a one-off thing because later on he does it again. So it's like, what, what's going on up there? Is there really like Satan? Does he have access up there? Does he actually talk to God? And does, does he really accuse and say, well, we'll just take everything away from him? And then does God really give permission? See, this is so weird because you, when you read the book of Job, the next 35 chapters are about four guys that are debating what happened to Job, right? Job is sitting there. He's lost everything because in the next three chapters, Satan takes everything away. He has all of his, all of his sheep, all of his camels, all of his servants are killed. And then a wind blows 
and blows over his house and all of his children die. This is the book of Job. And that is offensive to us. Because we go, wait a second, is he allowed to do that with my family? And then he strikes Job down with these sores. In chapter two, after Job doesn't back off, Satan says, wait, let me, let me just inflict his body. Once he's in pain, then he'll curse you to your face. And God says, okay, go do it. And so you've got these four guys, and these are the brilliant guys of the day. They would have been the top podcast. They, they, this is wisdom right here. These are the top four, and they're sitting there, and they're arguing about why it happened. And Job's like, I don't know why this is happening to me as he's in so much pain, lost his whole family, loses everything. He goes, I don't know why this happened. I mean, I try to make a covenant with my eyes. I don't even look at a girl with lust. Anytime a stranger needs a place to live, I give him my house, and then his friends are going, no, you must have done something wrong because God doesn't just do this. And Job's like, no, I think he just did it. You guys, and for 35 chapters, they didn't get it. And that's offensive to us because we value our opinions and we think we can figure it out. And what God is saying to them, you have no idea what this is all about. You have no, the, 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 Job and his friends did not see the heavenly narrative. And I was thinking about today. I was like, God, I don't wanna miss the heavenly narrative. I mean, you guys are sitting down here, you're feeling the heat, you're going, oh, I hope it cools off. I hope, you know, this band comes up. I hope this, I hope this. And what if it's not about us? What if there's something going on in heaven where the accuser is looking at the US. I'm not saying this is what happened. I'm just saying, consider there might be a heavenly narrative to what we're doing here, and it's not about us just making it through this day. But could it be that Satan reported to God and God says, where have you been? He goes, the US, what a joke. The, 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 the people who call themselves the church, look at how much sin they're in. Look at the compromise. Look at what they call worship. They'll only worship if there's an awesome band there. They'll only show up if everything's just right. And what if, could it be that God says, well, have you considered Kansas City? Have you considered that for 23 years, day and night, 24 seven, the worship has never stopped for me? Have you ever considered them? And, and, and wait till May 14th, would you look down? Could it be that God's saying, look at this generation though. Look at these people. They're not gonna back off from the word of God. They actually believe in a judgment day. They're willing to preach that. They're actually willing to speak for the voices of the unborn. They're not backing off from that. Have you considered them? They're actually sweating 
in 100 and whatever, 20 degree weather, whatever it is down there on the field. He made that field white so it would just be even harder so that he could look at Satan and go, have you considered them? They're still worshiping me. They're still listening to my word. I'm not saying anything, I'm just saying, could it be that it's not about us and that Ephesians 3 is right? Where he says that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church. That through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That it's not about us. It's about somehow these rulers and authorities in the heavenly places see our unity and go, whoa, that's the wisdom of God. But this whole story, probably the most offensive part of the book of Job is after those 35 chapters when Job and his friends are questioning and wondering and talking about who's right and his friends are accusing him, Job, it's probably your fault, you should have wore a mask, whatever. They're having all these brilliant arguments like they know everything. Maybe the most offensive part is when God finally speaks in chapter 38. And I want you to notice what God says. God sits silently for 35 chapters and just waits and goes, okay, are you for, you, you know, you, you top podcasters, are you done? Because I have something to say now. And it says in Job 38, verse one, it says, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Picture a tornado and God is about to speak. And he says, Job, this is why I had your servants killed. No, he doesn't say that. This is where God says, oh, I'm sorry, Job. Did that hurt you? No, that's not what he says. He says this, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. This is God's answer. He doesn't give an explanation. He just shows Job who he is, just like Isaiah where the first thing he does is he answers him out of the whirlwind and he goes, wait a second. He goes, brace yourself. He goes, I ask the questions and you give the answers. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? He said, come on, Job, you guys, all, all four of you, give me an answer. Where were you guys? Because you're so brilliant. You have such good opinions. I mean, you're tweeting it to everyone and you're, you're speaking with so much assurance of your opinion. Man, I could have really used you when I spoke the world into existence. Where were you guys? This is the answer of Almighty God. He goes, I ask the questions. For any of us who think that we can come into the presence of God and say, God, why did you make me this way? Why did I go through this? This is my body, my choice. God says, no, wait a second. No, nothing is yours. 
I spoke this world into existence. The world is the, is the Lord's and everything in it. It's all made by him. And he doesn't owe me an explanation. I don't go into heaven and go, God, why did my mom die giving birth to me? Why did my stepmom die in a car accident when I was eight? Why did my dad beat the crap out of me as a little boy? And then why did he die when I was, I don't do that. Like Isaiah, I just go, I don't belong in his presence. And look at what Job says after God goes on for a couple of chapters. Then Job says something that we all need to say today. In Job 42, Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, for which I did not know. Here and I will speak, I will question you, you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. See, Job, gets it. He goes, I'd always heard of you. I heard sermons about you and, and all of that. But now that I actually see you, he goes, I repent. And he just falls on his face and he just goes, I'm going to repent in dust and ashes. Look, I'm just throwing dirt on my head because I'm so stupid. I hate myself. Why did I even open my mouth? And he says, I spoke about things I don't understand. So I'm just going to shut up and tremble here. And God's response to that is, he restores Job's fortunes and gives him an amazing family. It's the same thing that happened to Isaiah when he says, oh, I'm ruined, I'm dead. And God says, no, 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 I'm actually gonna use you. Do you wanna be used by God? Do you want him to bless your life and his grace and favor be upon you? Then it starts with you humbling yourself. And when God was giving me this message, I thought to myself, oh God, I know how to stir thousands of people into excitement, but I can't humble people. It has to be just like Job, where God, they've heard about you, but you've got to give them a vision of you. And this is what we've been praying about is could we have that Isaiah moment where I can't make you shut up and tremble. I can make you scream, the worship team, they can get you worshiping and scream, but we can't humble you. Only a vision of God can do that. Only if he chooses to reveal himself to us today, to where you see him clearly and you realize this isn't about you. There's a heavenly narrative that's so much bigger and I wanna be a part of it. So it starts with me learning how to shut up and tremble. And then God will look to him who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Father, right now as we worship you, I have no power 
in no way can I tell you what to do. I am just saying, God, we want you to humble us so that you can send us. Otherwise, God, we'll start talking to people. This is so important. We have to see you because if all we see are people, then we'll start valuing all of their opinions and we'll start crying for them. And we're thinking we're showing compassion to them by listening to them, but it's not compassion unless we have a fear of you. We have to see you and not just people. Otherwise we're gonna compromise and tell people what they wanna hear. Reveal yourself, please, Lord. Would you show yourself to us in this stadium today so that we would tremble in your sight and recognize you can do whatever you want with what you've created. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode. But until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.